Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. We've been in this series called Keeping Score and what it means to lose count to lose count. Um, I wonder if you're, if you're the kind of person that keeps a tally. Like, do you keep score? Do you keep score on what God owes you or what you deserve? It's a real thing. Many of us do keep score. But I wonder what would happen if we choose to lose count. If we choose to lose count of the offenses against us. If we forgive others. We talked about that in week one. What if we lose count of the good that we do and just simply make that? Doing good becomes a rhythm of our life. And what if we would lose count of our own failures? And what if we chose instead to live freely into the grace of Christ and to lose count of all those failures? Because you and I can easily sit here and we can point fingers at other people and we can say, they have done this and this. And at the same time, I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, the difficulty of actually forgiving ourselves is really, really high. It's a difficult thing. So I want to talk to you about what sin. What sin? What sin this morning? What sin are we talking about? And, and I have to make some assumptions. I'm assuming that you do believe that there is such a thing as sin. I'm also assuming that you, like me, have a tendency to minimize my own sin and exaggerate those around me. Right? Because it's easy to kind of, uh, once we get into the groove, we get into this, uh, this, this living of life, and sometimes we just become sort of, we coast into becoming the people that we are. Instead of being really deliberate and thoughtful, we kind of coast into who we are. So I think it bears the question, the, bear, the question that, that comes to bear and is important for us to consider this morning is what, what is sin? Is it a big deal? Does it count against me? Is God constantly keeping score? Is he the big scorekeeper in the sky? You know, I wonder, if you, um, if you think about the fact that you are not the highest power and the highest authority in the universe, I wonder if that makes you bristle. We all, we all uh, are responsible to somebody. We all have accountability to someone. We all under under some authority. But when it comes to self-governance, don't we want to be the ultimate authority in our lives? I wonder if it bothers you that God does not just wink at your sins and shortcomings. He doesn't just say, eh, it's all right. What is sin? Sin is acting or behaving in a way that does not conform with God's character or commands. 
Uh, sin is about crossing lines that God has laid down for us. Sin is about acting in rebellion and distrust. Sin is us looking at God and saying, you're not my boss. <laughs> you don't get to make the rules. I'm capable of deciding right and wrong. Now, I'll bet you and I don't regularly sit around and thinking about what we're going to say to God about that. I don't. I don't sit back and go, yeah, you're not the boss of me. I don't sit around and go, yeah, I don't trust you. I don't believe that you are who you say you are. In the New Testament, one of the most prominent figures alongside Jesus was one of his disciples, and his name was Peter. Peter was with Jesus for three years or so. I mean, not just occasionally seeing him. He was with Jesus as one of his disciples. And so Peter had a firsthand experience at seeing the blind be given sight, those with diseases being healed. Peter saw all those supernatural things that happened whenever you were with Jesus. And yet, and yet, as Jesus' time on earth came to, to, to an end, he's taken, to, he's taken uh, by force and he's taken to the high priest's house, Caiaphas' house. And Peter is kind of dragging along behind. And mind you, Jesus had foreseen. He had seen this, that what, what was ahead. And he knew that he was going to be crucified. And he had told the disciples, hey, you guys are all gonna scatter. You're all gonna leave me. You're not gonna be with me anymore. Like, you're gonna make a decision that means you're running the other direction away from me because you're scared. You're gonna submit to fear. And Peter has said to Jesus, uh, no, not me, not me. I'm, I, I, I would die for you. And Jesus kind of pushes him on this. And yet, Peter says, no, I would die for you. I would die with you. But then Peter is at the high priest's house and he's out in the courtyard. And there's only two times that I can find where the scripture talks about a specific kind of fire that is being built. Well, scriptures say that, uh, by the way, Peter had, this part of the story you need to know, Peter had, Jesus had told Peter, yeah, I know, you think you're going to go with me all the way to death, but before the rooster crows, you're going to have denied me three times. To which we don't know what Peter's response was to that, except that he was determined that he would be the one that would follow Jesus all the way to the end. Peter does not have, have access into the house with the high priest. And so he's standing outside with the people around a charcoal fire. Scriptures tell us it was a charcoal fire. In John chapter 18, you'll read this. And as he's standing out there, three different times he has opportunity to say, yes, I am one of Jesus' followers. And three different times he denies that he actually is a follower of Jesus. And as he denies Jesus the third time, the rooster crowed. And he looks the direction of Jesus and Jesus looks the direction of him. And he recognizes what has just happened. Scripture tells us that he wept bitterly. 
He wept bitterly. He was filled with guilt and shame. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, Paul writes about this sorrow that is worldly and a sorrow that is godly. He says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So we can go through the actions of worldly sorrow, which is a temporary reaction to, uh, to bad behavior. It may be a strong feeling, but um, it often presents as embarrassment or fear. And it often fades away before real change actually happens. You see this in your kids sometimes, right? Oh, sorry. But the sorry is not really sorry. It's just they're compelled to say something so they can move on with their life. Worldly sorrow is like that. Godly sorrow goes deeper. It leads to conviction in the spirit. It causes us to realize that what we do matters and how we live matters. We admit wrongs. We draw near to God because when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And there we, make, there we find the strength to make the lasting changes. Worldly sorrow, godly sorrow. Peter felt a godly sorrow. And he's, he finds redemption in that process. He moves away from the sin that got him to the godly sorrow and moves toward Jesus again. In John 21, we see another charcoal fire. And this time, this time, Jesus comes to them after the resurrection. He comes to the disciples, and they see him, and uh, Peter takes off, jumps out of the boat, runs up to the shore, and there is a charcoal fire on the beach. And they bring the fish they have just had, uh, fish they just caught, and they cook the fish. It's almost like we're revisiting the scene of the crime. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, remember the charcoal fire. Now look at this one. And around that charcoal fire, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, hey, do you love me? Three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? But by the third time, Scripture tells us that Peter was grieved. He was grieved. He said, well, yes, I love you. And every time there was a mandate, every time Peter responded affirmatively, he was given a mandate. And I believe in that moment, they did revisit the crime of denial. And in that moment, there was restoration given to Peter. I believe he had asked for forgiveness. He had, he had come full circle. He had repented before this. But in that moment, this marker around the charcoal fire, he became, uh, he was given full restoration in that moment. I love this because previously, Jesus had already looked at Peter and he had said, this is who you are. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter means rock. 
Jesus had already spoken this good word over Peter. And in this moment, I have to believe that Peter heard those words again. Yes, I am Peter. God is for me. Jesus has just spoken words of life over me again. I wonder what word have you heard from Almighty God? What is his name for you? Has he looked at you? Yes, he has, if you're asking. Yes, he sees you. He knows you by your name. What is he speaking over you? What has he told you? Some of what we're doing in these next weeks, these, these, in the next week, is, is really like this process of, of gathering together and being together as a community of believers and stepping into Restore Nights and asking and believing right now that God is going to speak to us in magnificent ways. He's going to download some things to us because that's the kind of God he is. But he calls, we're required though. Here's what we need to do. We need to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. Jordan, a couple weeks ago, compelled a number of us to join a, uh, an online Bible study and reading through the Bible. And as we've done that, this is uh, another way of just implanting. It is not the exercise of reading. There is that discipline that's worked into it. But it is this process of being in the word of God and continuing just to hear what he has to say. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes diligence. But when we do this, these are ways, a multitude of different ways that God can speak to us. If we find ourselves in sin, as Peter did, we know that this cuts us off from the presence and the help of God. Like when we make decisions, when we say, you're not my boss, I'm gonna make my own decisions, don't tell me what to do, I'm gonna cross those lines. We can expect that sin will cut us from, off from the presence of God. Do you think Peter felt all that after he had sinned? Do you think he felt like he was on top of the world? Of course he didn't. We don't. If we are honest about the impact that sin has on our lives, when we are honest about the mistakes we make, if we truly acknowledge Yes, sin, if we're honest about that, the impact that sin has on us, it diminishes us. Sin diminishes us. Sin deceives us. It's not that bad. It'll go away. That's a, <laughs> that's a famous one. It'll just go away. Yeah, eventually. You won't remember it anymore. The problem is, God remembers and others remember. Don't be deceived by sin. And sin robs us of our original design and calling. You will never become the person that God has created you to be if you continue to live in sin. If you continue to live in ways that are not according to the standard of God. If you continue to go down the road and care more about yourself than other people, you'll never meet the standard of God. If you continue down that road, 
You'll be robbed of the, the person that you are created to be. In all of scripture, the psalmist, David, he writes some of the most beautiful words and they come out of the, the most dark places that he's been. And yet I love his honesty. I love the forgiveness that he experiences in, in God. Here are his words from Psalm 103, verse eight. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not, you know, there's a juxtaposition here between how we as humans handle sin and how God handles sin. Watch this. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. That is one of those scriptures that I've heard since I was a little kid. And it is one of the most precious scriptures in my heart. My sin, your sin, the mistakes that we make, the ways that we live that are not according to the standard of God. When we repent, when we confess, those are cast aside. Those are, God doesn't remember them anymore. They're as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children. Here's what we can be really grateful for. He's tender. He's compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. He'll listen up. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. That's a beautiful word of encouragement that when we get into right standing with almighty God, it doesn't just stop with us. It may start with us, but it doesn't stop with us. It continues from generation to generation to generation. If you want to transform the generations after you, you need to step into right relationship with Almighty God. In week one of this series, I gave you a life hack. Life hack number one was live into forgiveness Forgive others as you have been forgiven and your life will change. Last week, I talked about life hack number two, about serving and giving and losing count of your good deeds. And today, life hack number three is move on, lose count. See, here's the thing. There are only two biblical categories for forgiveness. The one is forgive others. And the next one is godly forgiveness. Jesus never taught us to forgive ourselves. Despite what contemporary therapists will tell you, Jesus never taught us to forgive ourselves. Now, I am a proponent of coming to a place where you can forgive yourself. But that's not really the decision you need to make. Forgiveness is vertical and it's horizontal. Vertical forgiveness allows you to experience the power and release that comes through the cross. And then it sends you back to the horizontal to get right with your community. Vertical and horizontal. 
if you don't believe that Jesus has forgiven all your sin, if the mistakes you've made, the wrong turns you've made, if you don't believe that Jesus has provided the way out, that he has provided forgiveness for that, you won't forgive yourself. There's a first step, and that first step, if you want to get full release, full freedom in your life, it is to believe that God, through Jesus, has provided forgiveness. So receive the healing, receive the forgiveness because your future is on the other side of your failures. Like you gotta let go of those things. God already has. If you have repented, if you've said, hey, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. If you've acknowledged those things, God doesn't remember them. So you gotta move on. You gotta lose count. Some of us want to live um, in a place of, well, let me beat myself up enough. Self-flagellation, like just beat myself up enough, make me suffer enough so maybe, maybe um, I won't be superstitious and think that, well, if I, don't, if I don't beat myself up enough, if I don't suffer enough for the things that I've done, then maybe God comes back and gets me later. So let me just, you know, be hard on myself right now. Now you're dipping into superstition and pagan sorts of ways of thinking. God is a God of love. He's a lot of God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's here for you and I right now. Here's what I found. That when we are in places of difficulty, if God comes, uh, God begins to make things very clear to us that we are not living in the ways that he has called us to live. If we're not being kind and gracious and merciful, if we are not loving as he has first loved us, those will be difficult seasons. The truth is, though, if you've been through hard times, you know that seasons of comfort are not what lead to transformation. If you're just sitting back on the easy chair and saying, all right, God, I'm gonna coast for a while, that's not exactly where you are transformed. It is the days of discomfort, of pain and trouble and hardship that bring about transformation. That's where we see exponential growth. When we do the hard things, we make decisions that are uncomfortable and we decide we're gonna do it anyway. It's when we are in a mess, when we are overwhelmed, when we are exhausted and confused. Guys, this is when we have to press on. This is where we don't give up. You know there is no uh, you are not going to get a, a breakthrough without a battle. And so I don't know if you're in a hard place right now. I don't know if your relationships are completely messed up or if they're good as gold. But if you find yourself in a bad place, first of all, recognize that there may be some things in your life that you need to be, re be repenting of, that there may be some things in your life that are not aligned with Almighty God. Maybe you're out of step with Jesus. The way to get back in step is to confess your sin, to repent from those things that are not right in your life. See, God, I know we say this a lot, but God is for us. Isn't it amazing that he would send his only son for our redemption? 
and I'm preaching this, and I know that some of us in the house, some of us online, are sitting there wondering if there's any truth to this. What do I believe about God? Do I trust him? Here's the thing. We gotta take some steps. And we gotta either step into it and say, yes, I do. I believe, I trust. Or we're not going to make progress. And we're not going to step into all that God is calling us to. We have to rise up. We have to move on. Lose count. Would you stand with me? When I was a kid, uh, there was a song that I think it was just called, What Sin? What sin are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. I don't remember them anymore. It's an old song that most of you don't know, but it was a powerful song when I was a kid, and it reminded me of the promises of God that my healing, my redemption is taken care of when I repent and I say yes to Jesus. When we lose count, when we lose count of our sin, just as God has lost count, when we don't constantly live in regret, in shame, in guilt, when we're not always disappointed and in fear and doubt, we then live in a place of hope and power. Are you keeping count? Or are you losing count? What's the score this morning? I just don't want you to keep stepping back into the old patterns, the old ways of doing things. God is specifically calling many of you out of where you are into where he's calling you to. And I don't know what that is, but I know what first steps are. And first steps are about aligning ourselves with God. First steps are about aligning ourselves with our fellow human beings. Get vertically good and get horizontally good. Man, you do this and you'll find peace and you'll find joy in your life. You keep resisting the move of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll experience just the opposite. So again, this morning as I pray, I'm gonna ask you to just, uh, if this is where you're at, uh, you can just uh, lift up your hands, put them out in front of you. And we just use this as a symbol of surrender. And so Father, this morning as I speak over this congregation, as I see the faces in front of me, 
God, you know each and every single person here. You know exactly what they need. You know the desires of their heart. Would you, would you bring those? Would you give them the desires of their heart even now? God, you see every misaligned piece of them. And I say that the enemy has no power over each one of these people. Where there is a way that is crooked, God, I'm asking you to straighten it out right now. We're holding our hands out as, as a symbol of surrender. But God, where there are unsurrendered hearts in the house this morning, anyone online where there is not a surrendered heart, God, would you just continue to be patient? Be merciful. Draw them to yourself. God, we wanna be a people that are purified, that are ready. We don't just wanna get ready, we want to be ready. Father, we worship you this morning. Holy Spirit, continue just to impart words of knowledge and wisdom over these people. If we have an encouraging word for one another, let it be shared and spoken. God, let your light, let our light so shine before men as we move from this space into the world around us. That there would be no question that your light that shines within us would draw all men to you and that you would be glorified. We don't do any of this for our glory. We do it for your glory. May you be lifted high. May your name always be on our lips. May we praise you with the fullness and the joy of the joy that is in you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. 